Yeah, you need to you need to kind of come riding in on a BMX and do a wheelie and a skid before they kind of they let you in there. Oh, it's never never cool enough for that at fifteen, let alone forty five. <laughs> Uh, right, first things it's first. It's hard to pull a wheelie on a grifter, isn't it? <laughs> it is. <laughs> uh, but it's worth it, though. <laughs> right, as always, I'm, I'm pouring a drink. Has everyone got a drink this evening? Yes, yes, I've got mine, yeah. Good to know. Um, are we, is, oh, are we, are we underway? Is this, is this, this the thing? Is, this is as ramshackle as we start, Mark. Ah, okay. I thought there would be kind of some sort of preamble that we would kind of you know, be beating our chests and doing some war cries and stuff before we get going. Oh yeah. Uh, what, um, an ululation. Uh, no, um, I've, <laughs> I've already screamed at enough traffic today to, uh, to tune my voice. So, uh, no, uh, no, we just tend to just jump in. Okay. That's good. If that's okay by you. Yeah, that's absolutely fine. My mate. I have, I'm gonna, just gonna open my beer now. There's gonna be a, Oh, it's a bottle. It's a bottle. Um, I missed the trick actually because we've just had the um, Cheltenham Food Festival, and so I could have got something obscure from like somebody with a wax moustache and a monocle. But I um, I missed it, so I ended up getting something from the local kind of the local sort of semi cool um, off license. But I've got a Millionaire Ooh. by the Wild Beer Company. Sounds good. I think it's a ah. it's a local one. It's um it's really good. I'm just gonna have a little sip. It's been a while since I've had one of these. Oh, that is nice. It's a milk stout. It's quite sweet, so it appeals to my childlike palate. Um, and it's kind of, it's quite caramelly. I think on the front, it's kind of salted caramel and chocolate and milk stout. So it is that kind of, it is that kind of thing. It's the kind of beer you give to a baby if you were that sort of person. <laughs> Uh, yeah, an insight into your personality already, Mark. <laughs> well, the babies around here are very chill. You can't give a baby booze. <laughs> I remember the first time I had beer, I'm just thinking it was awful. Like, why did people drink this stuff? It was, um, it was some kind of terrible supermarket own brand sort of thing yeah. with with kind of very limited design on the um, cooking lager. It was beyond cooking lager. It's the kind of lager you used to wash your feet with. And I remember, um, <laughs> I remember drinking it and thinking, "Yay, I get to drink this as a grown up. That's going to be great." But I've kind of um, so I'm not like I'm not much of a connoisseur, but um, but that's nice stuff. What have you guys got? Uh, I'm drinking. Uh, I've got a bottle of red wine, actually. Uh, something red and Argentinian. She's uh, delightful. Uh, I've just got a uh, punk IPA. I've gone really um, mainstream. It is mainstream now, oh. isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is because I'm 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 quite into the um, Elvis juice. Yeah, um, I haven't had that yet. I'm not allowed grapefruit, so no, I can't drink it. Really? Annoyingly. Oh, how come? Are you allergic to it? Or? <laughs> just, yeah, just um, medication. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Did you offend someone from the the, the grapefruit guild? <laughs> or yeah, been banished? yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been cursed. <laughs> that's that's not a terrible curse to live with. <laughs> that's a wizard, evil wizard with no imagination at all. <laughs> yeah, you should read some Mister Men books. There's plenty of them in there. In the <laughs> where where were we, Rob? Yes, introduce the show. Of course. Welcome to North v South, the podcast about but not about design, uh, with John Elman and Rob Turpin, and our special guest this week, Mark Phoenix. Welcome, Mark. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Yeah. Well, we've only just uh, just met, actually. Like you said, we appeared on a, on a Slack channel. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I've seen you from time to time on Perch 
forum <laughs> just to be ultra geeky, um, <laughs> which is a very small and very quiet community. Yes, uh, yes, it is. Yeah, a bit bit noisier nowadays. Now they've got their own Slack channel, which is much better. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. It's the content management system that um, we seem to both use, and I've been using it for I don't know quite a long time now. Is it ten years old? Is it? Is it I think it's nine. I think it's just. Nine. I think it's just turned nine. Yeah, I definitely used it from version one because um, they sent me something in the post, uh, and I and I tried it out. Um, but um, it has come a long way. Uh, mm. The reason I spend so much time going on about it is it's kind of my bread and butter. <laughs> it oh, kind yeah. of it, it generates all the revenue for for my business really. Yeah. When I when I do web stuff. Yeah. How did you fall into it? Um, well, we'll, I, we'll come to we'll come to your career later. Yeah. I've, I've started out using WordPress. Um, I'm reasonably new. I've only been a developer for about five years or so. Um, and I was kind of on the WordPress train. Um, and it got to the point where I had to actually content manage some some content on the website. Um, and then I turned to WordPress and I, was, and I thought, this is a bit more complicated than I thought it would be. Um, and at that point, you've got to start using third-party plugins. I think there's one called Advanced Custom Fields. So if you just want a paragraph or um, a title or some images to be content managed, it, it like it seems that WordPress doesn't have that sort of thing built in. So um, I was, I think I heard about Perch on a podcast. Um, did you ever listen to the um, Unfinished Business podcast with Andy Clark? Yeah, Andy Clark. Yeah, yeah. Rob's aware, even aware of him. Yes, right? even I've heard of him. <laughs> um, yeah, because he's he's a designer mostly, isn't he? Although he's written some books on CSS and and that kind of that kind of thing. Um, yeah. But anyway, he was talking about it, and I kind of went and used it, and I thought, well, this is what this seems more like what our content management system is supposed to do. Um, and I think I started using it just before Runway. So Perch is kind of they 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 kind of promote that as being like the little content management system or the small content management system, which I think doesn't do it justice because it is quite powerful. Um, but they've got uh, another flavor of it called runway, which is a bit more, a bit more complicated um, and gives you much more flexibility. So I think I was using it a little bit before runway sort of appeared, but I think it's great. And I'd like the community to be a little bit more, a little bit more active Um I think with the previous Slack chat, because it was set up by um, by Perch themselves, it ended up turning into a bit of a a, a bit of um, a, sort of a support pseudo network. support channel. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think yeah. they kept, and so it was a lot of like Drew and Rachel, the, the two people who um, who were behind Perch, sort of saying, "Open a support thread, open a support thread, open a support thread." And I think they got a bit tired of that, and so um, there's a new Slack chat, which is kind of yeah, it seems to be a bit. It seems to be a bit more relaxed because I think without having Drew and Rachel there, it's a bit like the class having a bit of a muck about while the teachers are out. So this, this new one is more yeah. kind of user created and yeah, the 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 owners are very very nice, they, but they are quite stentorian in their approach to uh, dealing with <laughs> with um, idiots like me. Um, yeah. they, do, they do say what they see, yeah, which is a good. Do. I mean, you know, it's a she's a northerner, so she says what she thinks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of think there's been a few times where I've put in support request and it's that horrible moment when you're two or three replies in and you think, oh no, this is me being stupid. Like, <laughs> and I know the next reply is going to be do this and then, and you feel kind of terrible. And I think sometimes when, when that happens, you kind of want someone to give you like a little pat on the head 
and yeah. say, oh, don't worry about it. It's okay. Um, but you don't get that. Like the support thread just goes dead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so it is the equivalent of them just kind of folding their arms whilst you like back yeah, out yeah. of the room. Um, <laughs> Which is which is okay, but I think tapping, their, tapping their cane on their thigh, <laughs> yes, yes, indeed, stubbing their cigarette out on their palm. Perch sounds very threatening. <laughs> yeah, it is quite. The, the, we always start the show with uh, weapons of mass destruction, or what is on my desk. So, what's been on your desk this week, Mark? Um, to to kind of to actually paint the picture, I'm actually under a blanket fort right now, so I'm not. At my desk. Is that why your why your sound is so good? Are you have you created some kind of sound booth? It, it's it's not exactly a sound booth. It's two chairs, uh, a clothes horse, and two blankets. <laughs> <laughs> You've made a den. I've actually when I say this is a blanket fort, this is actually a blanket fort. The, um, the ceilings in our place are really high, um, so if you try to record in here, it sounds like you've it sounds like you're recording in a tunnel. So you just need to do something to deaden the sound. So basically, I'm yeah, I'm in a blanket fort surrounded by cushions and with a blanket over my head. This is brilliant. It's a bit warm in here, I need, so I might. I, I need to try. I need to try this. It sounds brilliant. Fairly decent mic, actually. It's like a Yeti mic for our podcast. This is kind of the the backup mic, and so if I ever have to do, because we usually record together, uh, Ben and I when we're doing the podcast. Um, but if I have to, ever have to um, do it remotely, then I'll I'll use this. So it's uh, all right. Yeah, so oh, I've got a restraining order on Rob. So in yeah, I'm not allowed in Hampshire. <laughs> <laughs> so he's not allowed in Hampshire, and you're not allowed grapefruits. <laughs> There's an interesting Venn diagram to be drawn. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sounds like the coolest gang ever. <laughs> if only. Yeah. So what's in, what's in your uh, blanket fort then? I'm I'm listening to a lot of podcasts right now. It's the kind of thing I tend to listen to when I'm working. Um, if if I'm doing kind of fairly repetitive kind of kind of grunt work, the kind of thing that I don't need to concentrate on, um, I'm usually listening to podcasts. Um, and the one that I've been really enjoying at the moment is Imaginary Worlds. Have you come across that one? Uh, I haven't. I saw it in your notes, and uh, I've subscribed. It looks fantastic. It's brilliant. It's um. If you're into sci-fi and you like listening to kind of clever people talk about sci-fi um, and, and clever people who you like, not the kind of clever people who, who talk about sci-fi in the sort of manner that takes all the fun out hmm. of it. Um, yeah, it, it, it's really interesting. Like one of the um, ones, I, I sort of my highlight episode is um, one about imagining the internet where they were talking about um, early sci-fi, like around the turn of the century, um, to see what they predicted about the internet. And I think they, they found um, a story by Mark Twain back in I think 1904, which they reckon was the first bit of sci-fi that imagined an internet. Wow. And it sort of imagined, I think, somebody um, basically having a dev- like a screen device where you could talk to somebody somewhere else via a screen. And the interesting thing was, um, from then... Um, a lot of the ideas about the internet was that it would be a kind of truth machine. So you could ask it a question and it would give you an answer, like, like looking in a oh, encyclopedia. If only. Um, yeah. Little did they know they didn't. Um, it's kind of interesting because nobody, nobody seemed to imagine the, you know, how it would be. Um, so, yeah. So I've just been kind of like, I quite like sci-fi from, from those sort of periods, um, particularly looking back on what they predict for today, mm. just to see how, how wrong they that are. That sounds brilliant. Yeah, I love, I, we, we love a bit of uh, futurology or whatever. I like that kind of turn-of-the-century steampunk kind of 
approach to technology. The podcast is, it's one of the most, it's one of those ones where you get a bit impatient if there hasn't been an episode for a little while, but. Um, <clears throat> oh, it sounds fantastic. Yeah. And, and you can work with talking in the background. As long as it's nothing, as long as I'm not doing anything too complex, um, yeah. then that's fine. Because it tends to, I work at home. Um, and so I kind of need something I can latch onto. Because if I don't listen to anything, if I hear like one-off noises or the dog starts barking next door yeah. or um, the people downstairs start playing their terrible music, um, it kind of, it, I find it loses my concentration. But if I can, if there's a voice, um, that works well. And I, I often tend to listen to things that I've listened to a few times before. Um, I just like the, I just like the sound of a voice sort of. Yeah. 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 Yeah, we 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 talked about that with Ben the illustrator a couple of weeks ago um, yeah. about about random noises and how yeah if you don't have music or some kind of sound on and that somebody starts drilling or like mm-hmm. here the neighbour loves a bit of chainsaw action. Uh, <laughs> Should you be calling uh, the authorities? Maybe is there any screaming <laughs> attached to that chainsaw action? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think he drugs them first. <laughs> That's very considerate. Yeah. We do things properly in Hampshire. <laughs> Any projects going on um, at the moment? I've been doing some. I've been doing some personal projects today. Um, I think I'm going to alienate fifty percent of you right now. Um, I've, I've been a user of jQuery for quite a long time, um, and it, it tends to be where I go if I'm looking for sort of simple um, JavaScript type thing, just for um, class toggles and, and that sort of thing. Um, and people seem to have suddenly turned on it. Uh, and I've been kind of resisting it a bit, but um, Sarah Dresner did a really good um, um, article on um, Smasher Magazine about replacing it with Vue. And I read this through is one of my questions for you: What on earth is Vue? Well, I was it's, I was just going to chip in actually and give you some context that my silence uh, means utter ignorance. <laughs> 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 you know, you lost me uh, 20 minutes ago about the technical stuff, so... Okay, carry if, we on, need to send some, if we need to send somebody around with an elastic band to flick at you to wake you back up... No, 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 I'm listening. Uh, but Vue is a JavaScript framework, so it's it's kind of it's kind of this, a very similar thing to React. Have you come across React at all? No. Um, React or jQuery. It basically does the same thing, so it takes JavaScript and it makes it a bit easier to manage. Um, sort of, so with, with jQuery... Um, jQuery arose when doing things with JavaScript was quite difficult because you had to worry about um, browser compatibility and to do quite simple things meant writing a lot of code. So jQuery's mantra was write less, do more. So you could achieve in a couple of lines what it would take you kind of lines and lines to do. Um, But the problem with jQuery is that if you're doing anything particularly complicated, um, it's not not really for that. Um, So Vue is more for... Um, slightly bigger projects, but it's a JavaScript framework. Um, but it does things like if you just want um, a class toggle. So say um, what I was doing was um, for a responsive menu. So you have a button or a link that you press and then the responsive menu kind of slides in and then you click it again and it goes away. Um, that's just the class toggle. Um, and I did that with a, you know, not that much not that much jQuery, but like a, a, a significant amount. Um, but you can do the same in, in view with a couple of lines. It's quite something. Um, so that's what I've been doing today. I've been sort of taking my jQuery, taking the jQuery off the relative path site and putting view in. But it's, if anybody wants to know, it's probably best to look it up themselves because you, uh, with 
podcasting, you don't want to get too much into mouth coding because I've listened to a few podcasts like that where they start talking yeah, yeah. you through stuff and you're just like, oh. no. so, um, so it's just, it's a more concentrated form of JavaScript then. So, sort of. Yeah. It just, ma- it's a bit more modern. It just manages things in a, in a slightly better way. It's a bit faster. Um, it's a bit more performant. Um, and with jQuery, when you're trying to manipulate elements in the DOM, you have to write jQuery to kind of go into the DOM. You query a selector, it goes in, it, it kind of finds the value of that selector, then it then you you kind of put that into a variable, then you do something with it. So you're doing a lot of diving in and out of the, of the DOM. With Vue, it kind of it's more reactive, so you don't need to do that so much. It's you know you change something over here, and Vue changes it over here at the same time. But does that make does that make sense or not? Yeah. Yeah, to me, to Rob. No, Rob, to, well, I've, I'm, I'm wake good, up, mate. No, no, I'm going to make a <laughs> confession. You've got a browser there, haven't you, Mark? Mm-hmm. If you go to thisnorthernboy.co.uk, yeah, that is the only web thing I've ever produced. And if you asked me to do it again <laughs> now, I'd probably do it in exactly the same way. So I'm, I'm predominantly yes. a, a designer for print and print production. There's and, steam coming out of my computer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I, I simply don't do. Uh, Web design at all, so I I could I, you know I can't even put a Squarespace site together. I mean, is any have you just not had uh, had, had any reason to go to it, or have you just or do you kind of do you walk away? Do you kind of step back from it, or, or just well, well both? I mean, I never when I was starting out in graphic design and kind of print production, it was just never something that I needed to do. You know, if if a, and I was doing small kind of branding jobs and things like that, but at the time, print designers really didn't get into web design. You know, you would pass that mm. off to someone else, and I've just never got into it. And it's it's now one of those things that, you know, I'd be starting from such a, a low base that I think it would take me, you know, years to even get to a point where I could do anything useful. So, yeah, I I back away from it now with my eyes shut. Making the sign of a cross. <laughs> um, I wonder how much crossover there is, because I think certainly when people first started developing, like designing for the web, they were designing very much for, for print, um, because I guess that's that's the mm. legacy of it. Um, I remember uh, listening to an art, um, a program about um, early soap operas on TV that they initially followed the radio format, because that was what they were that's coming out knew, of. Yeah. Yeah, um, so I think that that's happened with the web, and it's kind of, it's sort of different now. Although I, I do wonder, like, how how it would be if you started doing web design, because I think I think you mentioned it like a uh, in a recent podcast, just how similar web design is. I think um, it, it's sort of people seem to have settled on a particular format for websites. Yes. So with, with your, you know, your big hero image and then your title and then your, yeah, your, your three images three carousel thing. And yeah. 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 And I kind of think I, I roll my eyes at it a bit, but then I wonder if, if that's happening for a reason, if that just seems to be the most logical format to, to consume information on the internet or whether we, whether people are running out of ideas. Mm. I think surely a lot of that is, is simply laziness and the, the need to feel like you're designing for, Something that people will instantly recognise. So it's yes. it's very much kind of a Kickstartery Indiegogo look, isn't it? That so if you're 
if you're about it's a to framework, yeah, isn't it? yeah. But if you're about to launch a new product, you kind of want to present it in a way that people recognise. So you're going to instantly ape the stuff that's gone before. And I think that's yeah. just a, a big circle that you know keeps going round, isn't it? Kind of uh, working to recognisable formats and styles and things. Yeah, and I think if you if you want to push design a bit, I, you have to have a a client that that's really sort of embraces that. And you do, you do see it sort of here and there. Um, but I'm not much of a designer, to be honest. I, I tend to, if ever I have a project, which is all mine, the design part of it is the bit that I, I kind of find the most vexing. Mm. If, um, if someone else can do that and I can just kind of do all the code, then that's, that works well for me. But I kind of find myself kind of up at night kind of thinking if I, is there enough? Is there enough pixels behind, below that title, or is that image too big? Or I don't know. Uh, so, so yeah, sounds like my brain all the time. <laughs> so, Rob, uh, what's on your desk, mate? Well, let's get let's get let's get this bit out of the way. I'm still working on uh, the book design project that I uh, the book illustration project that I can't talk about. But I've just uh, as a break from that, I've just read the first two volumes of uh, Extremity, which is a comic by Daniel Warren Johnson and Mike Spicer. And it's fantastic. Can't recommend it enough. Sci-fi, fantasy, kind of slightly Mad Max dystopia, but with a kind of real fantasy elements to it about warring factions in a world with floating islands and flying dragons. Uh, and it's just terrific. Really good stuff. Beautifully drawn, really well-paced. You kind of hurtle through both both volumes <clears throat> and it's cracking stuff. Is that is that a British comic or American? I think Daniel Warren Johnson's English. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's from, uh, uh, yeah, it's an image comic. But uh, but yeah, really fantastic stuff. So that's been good. Uh, I've been working on some new prints and bits and pieces for the Elipress print shop, which uh, some new postcards and another print coming soon. And then today my work was interrupted by a baby robin flying into my studio, which I had to rescue. So that was a nice little distraction. Did you get like a kit on? Uh, do you have a, rescue, a bird rescue kit that you wear, like a uniform? <laughs> I, d- I didn't have a chance to, uh, to to don the appropriate uh, outfit, I'm afraid. Yeah. You didn't just let the cat in, did you? No, old cat's too old to chase birds, thankfully. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like me. <laughs> uh, no, so that's, that's pretty much... Uh, all I've been doing. I'm still struggling with this kind of strained wrist that I injured two weeks ago. Uh, have you been? Have you been to the doctor? I haven't. I've been trying to ignore it, but I've been busy. Do you think you got bursitis? I don't know. I just like saying that word. Oh, this this is the thing that Jess is struggling. Yeah, with. yeah. She's got. If she picked up something and burst something inside. I don't. Her I don't think so. I think I was lifting a giant flower ball. Uh, my wife's a florist, Mark, which explains that. And I was, I was hooking this giant flower ball to the ceiling, and I think I just overextended my wrist and fingers because it weighed about, I don't know, 25 kilos. And I haven't been able to rest it, and uh, it's just uh, it's just not getting any better at the minute. The only thing that, that doesn't hurt it really is drawing, which is relief that's it well you better get back to it yeah lifting a giant flower ball is a sentence i've never heard before ah, there you go <laughs> <laughs> just when you think there's nothing new under the sun <laughs> go for the witty repartee stay for the giant oh, fireball. Indeed, yeah. 
Uh, what about you, John? What's on your desk this week? I've been out of the office, which is a rare thing. Um, I've been to a training day today, teaching people how to use a content management system. Oh. Uh, so the last web project that I've just, I'm kind of just about parked. Uh, I went to see four people today. Was this the big, the big web project? Yeah, it was a big one for <laughs> okay. me. And uh, yeah, no, it went really well. And so train them. I'm off on holiday on Friday, so I'm trying to clear the desk, as it were. How uh, how receptive were the were the clients to to your teaching? Um, well, I, my next item is Yoda. Uh, so uh, <laughs> if I compare it to that, yeah. <laughs> I, I bored myself. So let, let's, <laughs> let's just say that. <laughs> was, it, was it for perch? Yeah, it was for Perch. I thought I'd start off easy, and I just got lots of really strange looks. No, it, it went all right. It went all right. Yeah, I've built with my daughter for her birth, her fourth birthday. She got Yoda's house, a Lego house. You know, you were complaining about the lack of good Lego models. Mm. It seems like they're exploring old, older models all of a sudden because they've got Yoda's little <coughs> base, which is I don't know what, what what was his house called. I don't On know. Dagobah. Uh, Dagobah. That's the- um, it? It's really good. It's a really good little set. Yeah, they seem to be revisiting and, uh, a lot of stuff, don't they? Yeah, and uh, we, we we it was great. You know, if a four year old can build it, then it's a pretty good set by my by my standards. Cool. Oh, that's I'm sort of I'm just googling it, and there are a lot, quite a lot of um, quite a lot of people who have tried to build their own. So, what does it actually what does it actually look like? Could you describe it? It's just the imagine uh, like a doll's house. It's the front half of it. So um, you fold out the backs, and they kind of come round to the side. Uh, and you've got a an area where Luke can do his force flipping, which is just like a lever. And then he can do his he can do a, a jump on a on a rope with Yoda on his back. Um, there's a there's a little hidden area in Yoda that he's got a giant carrot that is the size of Yoda. I don't remember giant that from the film. Carrot. No, I don't remember. A giant, giant carrot. carrot. <laughs> was there a vegetable I in the film? I mean, that. I watched it recently. I think that was I in the Caravan of Courage. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. <laughs> no, it's a good set. It's a good set. It's got uh, R2-D2 with um, all sorts of grime all over him. Not music <laughs> stuff, but... Uh, <laughs> <quite>. <laughs> I've got that. Uh, I've got a hit list of clients uh, I've written here. Going to do some firing. There's nothing really? like a good summer break to fire some clients. Excellent. Yeah. What's the uh, What's the threshold for you then? What do they What do they have to do? Well, it's not so much of a threshold. I I think I talked about this last mm. week where I've done five years of kind of an agency model, um, and although it's been really good in terms of uh, pecuniary re- reward. In terms of like affecting my mental health and life, it's been not good. So um, I need to change a lot. And so I'm going to uh, think about it on holiday, but I'm probably going to stop doing artworking, print work, that kind of stuff, um, and just continue with web and put more effort into my printing and uh, art stuff. That's the plan anyway. But So I've got a hit list of clients I've got to go to and say, yeah, I, I love your monthly invoice <laughs> coming in, but I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna knock it on the head. But actually, it, it's quite it's quite good because it, it just to, it, you know it's easy to get those jobs that just fill up your time and yeah. you end up not doing anything else, yeah, absolutely, um, or or developing or, or <clears throat> pushing the business in the direction that you want to do. Yeah, and I think those can be the kind of jobs that if you're starting out or early in your career that you're quite grateful for. Yeah, um, but then as you kind of start to start to 
do more interesting stuff or things that are more involved, they kind of can weigh you down a little bit. So, um, I think yeah. as a freelancer as well, even if you're sort of reasonably established, it's just some things, you know, it's hard to say no to work from an existing client, isn't it? You know, there's that yeah, kind really, of mission yeah, because- creep where you, you know, you take on a client to do a certain amount of work and then, you know, they're asking you to sort out their email and do their yeah. IT and yeah, yeah well that, that one I, manage, I don't don't do anymore but yeah you do get that and also the uh, the I've had a couple of clients come to me where their existing designers said I only want to do branding or I'm only doing websites mm. so they are looking for a jobbing graphic designer which means that you you know you're at the bottom of the pecking order and normally the first in the line to uh, to have the shortest turnaround so it's just very stressful and um and not very rewarding but apart from you know if you charge enough for it i found that putting up prices doesn't do anything you know people say well increase your hourly rate or blah, blah, blah. but it doesn't do anything if you're easy to contact and you're polite and you get the work back on time the client will come back to you time and time mm. again and often don't want challenging or arguing with but you know, as we all hear, you know, that's the best way to be a good designer is to challenge the, the client. Yeah, it doesn't always doesn't always work in the real world, does it? No. In fact, you were talking about that on your podcast, la, your last episode, weren't you? In, in what's the reality between what people, what the customer expects and what the industry expects you to know? Yeah, yeah, very much so. Because I think it, <clears throat> it's interesting with, like, sorry, there's my catchphrase, um, with, um, with... That's my one. Hey, you've <laughs> stolen it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you taught me everything I know. Um, but what you're doing for other people in your in your industry, like how much you're looking over your shoulder, um, because with in web development, like you know, like the thing I've been doing with um, using Vue, um, there's quite a lot of pressure from other people in the industry to to learn the new stuff, yeah. to learn the new tool. Um, but if you show that to a client, they, they absolutely would not care as long as their, their site works well. And I think sometimes in terms of design as well, if we're in a week, you, know, you can be aware of what the latest trends are and what the latest technologies are and what the capabilities are. Um, but quite often your client will send you a, just send you a link to another website and say, can we have that please? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. And, and it's, just, it's just, I had that twice last week. So. Yeah. No, I totally, totally agree. But it's similar, isn't it, Rob, with uh, with illustration? But it's not necessarily the trend driving that. It's the kind of the it's the it's the individual illustrator themselves putting that pressure on. I'm not as good as X, or you know that person there. I saw them doing that drawing, and it just made me feel inadequate. Yeah, um, it's 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 interesting to see that that goes across so many spectrums of the creative industry. Yeah. And, and it's funny also that web design tries to leverage that not on the person feeling like they need to do it, but actually that because that kind of mentor or person in social media said that I, you know, this is the latest greatest thing and this is the way you should do it, that everybody sort of jumps onto that bang, bandwagon and you feel guilty for not doing it. It's taken me a long, long, long time to uh, to not follow that those tropes and just to, you know, plow my own my own thing. Can, yeah. can that sort of pressure come from, from both sides though? You know, you yeah. were talking, um, Mark in that chat with Jeremy Keith about, uh, uh, the, the kind of offline thing and how clients often rush for the next new thing, whether it's, you know, they want an app when the kind of app thing started and then it was, they want responsive web design and, <clears throat> and now it's kind of offline services. And, so clients can kind of push for the next new thing 
because they think they need to be up to date with everything. But also, you know, designers and kind of the, the peer group can kind of push you to, to be doing the next new thing. But there needs to be that balance of, you know, what is the right thing? I think often it's with, with clients, it's what they've heard of. Yeah. Um, so if it depends on, on what sort of scale the project is, because if it's a fairly large scale project and somebody's got quite a lot of money to spend, um, they've probably done some research and they've probably just searched on the latest articles and they know that the latest thing is going <laughs> offline or, um, you know, they might even be aware of things like CSS grid and these sort of technologies and, and, you know, the, the latest JavaScript frameworks that, that, um, that people are using. Mm. So in a way, they're just trying to, to find out if you, if you know what you're doing or, you know, you know, they've, they've looked and these are the things they've heard of. So they want to make sure that, that you know what they are. Yeah. Um, so it's not necessarily that they know what, what's involved in any of these technologies. It's just the buzzword, which is, which, you know, they've, they've chanced upon. It's almost like a um, known unknown. Yeah. So to a degree, I guess it's like, it's like with, with anything, if, if you were kind of, you know, if you were having some major building project done and you were spending a lot of money, you'd probably go on the internet and look it up to see yeah. kind of what, what sort of things were needed to build your big extension. And then you might ask your builder and your builder might roll their eyes and be like, oh, you know, that's, that's not really necessary, mm. but you know, that's the latest material that everybody's buzzing about. So I guess it's, you know, we're not the only industry I imagine that, no, absolutely. that sort of thing. That's a um, good point. Yeah. But but I, I think it's I think sometimes we can feel like that we can feel like all the pressures that happen in our industry are unique to ours. But I think that that probably happens happens everywhere. That's a really um, good point. Yeah, you know, but um, but I think with with us, I wonder if it's part of how we try to feel like we know what we're doing because a lot of us are self taught. Um, <clears throat> I think we need to have something to kind of get us over the imposter syndrome. So if we know the latest thing that everybody's talking about and everybody's doing, it can be of some comfort to us that, that we're on the right track. Um, you know, even now, again, just to mention jQuery again, if somebody's using jQuery, most, most websites in the world use jQuery if they're using any, any framework at all. If you were to, to say that to a lot of other kind of proper developers, you know, they might sneer at you a little bit because everybody's moved on. Um, so, you know, you can still build sites with jQuery and they work perfectly well. Um, but I, I think we all feel like we need to, we need to sort of be getting somewhere so we can feel like we're, we're qualified perhaps. Definitely. Let's have a little bit of news and then we'll get onto, uh, okay. onto your life story. A biopic. Who would play you in a biopic, Mark? Um, I think I'd have a face drawn on a balloon. <laughs> <laughs> Say like Wilson or whatever. Yeah, something like that. Actually, there is, um, there's, um, there's a, uh, a designer friend, um, in, in London on a Slack group, just with a, there's a few of us in there. And he thinks that I look like the, um, the technician from, um, from Westworld. Yeah, from Westworld. You so are, he, you he, are him. I saw your picture and it's like, yeah, it's, um, what's his name? Oh. I love that show. I've only watched the f- I've only watched like the first couple of episodes, and I think I've been I've been um I've been pulled more towards like the slightly cheesier end of sci-fi. So I'm kind of watching um I hate to admit it, but I'm watching Supergirl and the Flash mostly at the moment. <laughs> I can't get into the DC TV stuff at all because, really? like you say, it's that kind of cheesy. Yeah. It's almost like Golden Age comic stuff. Um, it is quite yeah, and it, I, which is so strange because the DC cinematic stuff is so it's so dark yeah it's such a strange 
disparity between the two. It's almost as if they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> really? <laughs> Maybe. The, the, the Flash is quite good because it's, um, it's, it's cheesy, but it's got, like, it's got a fair bit of pathos enough mm. to kind of keep you going. Supergirl is, is terribly cheesy. I think, I've, I think I've topped out on that. But I started watching, I think, DC Legends of Tomorrow. Okay. And it's, it's, it's like all the, um, it's like all the rejected Doctor Who scripts. It's oh, just, dear. it's, te- it's te- like you are really, really want it to be good. And they've obviously thrown a lot of money at it, but it's, te- it's so bad. It's kind <laughs> of, it's, comp- it's just compellingly bad. Um, good. None of the characters are, you, you can't root for any of the characters. Um, well, just a few, well, very few of the characters and they have no real, like none of their powers are consistent. So, you know, Somebody will get easily defeated by somebody like in one one scene, and then easily defeat the person who's easily defeated them in the next scene. So it just doesn't make any yeah. sense. But it's oh yeah, it's a it's a frustrating watch. <laughs> <coughs> so news, uh, Rob, do you want to start news. with some news? Well, let's start. Which we do some news? Well, let's start with comics. <clears throat> yep. Uh, Bill Sinkovich, uh, legendary, bless you, <laughs> legendary <laughs> uh, comic artist, uh, lecturer, and daredevil. Um, has revamped his website and he's got, um, I don't know if his YouTube channel is new, but has he built it in flash. Right? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> what's flash. Um, <laughs> but he's got a, a YouTube channel and he's put up a video, which is about his process. Uh, and it's fascinating watching him work. This kind of multimedia, you know, crayons and paint and splattering stuff and ink. Uh, and it's fantastic. His, you know, his work is is stunning, uh, and it's it's a fascinating watch seeing how he puts his comics together and how he talks about the the process of storytelling. Uh, so that's well worth uh, having a look on YouTube for Bill Sinkovich's uh, YouTube t- channel and looking at his process video. Fantastic, uh, Mark. Have you got any news? Have you seen any news? Um, yeah, I, I've kind of been interested in the rise of Microsoft because um, you guys are both Mac users, aren't you? Yes. Happy Mac users? Yeah, generally. Sometimes. Have you got the Have you got the latest machines? No, no. I'm on a 2012 iMac, um, but it's running the latest OS. Because there's been a lot of dismay about <clears throat> the the latest MacBook Pros. Um, particularly how bad the keyboards are. I don't know if you've you well, kind of... My got wife's got it. one, and um, she really likes it. Um, she loves the touch bar. You know, she's pretty happy with it. And she types like a like a kind of sea anemone on speed. <laughs> on it. So it doesn't slow her down. Oh, that's interesting then, because um, uh, I I tried it out, because I was, I was all ready to make the switch over to, to Mac and just when they came out, mm. and I, I didn't like it. Um, but just thought the keyboards are just a bit, they're a little bit weird, um, just with that low travel. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people have been having problems with them, um, with getting dust under the keys. Yeah. It doesn't take much breaks, apparently, does it? Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, if you take it back to the Apple store to, to, to have it fixed, they have to replace the entire top cover of the, of the computer. Um, so you can't replace the individual keys. Um, and it's not so bad if you've got um, Apple Care, but when you're outside of Apple Care, then it's I think sort of in America, it's like six or seven hundred dollars to get it replaced. Jeez. 
Um, so people are looking at like six, like a piece of desk costing them six or seven hundred dollars. Um, and just the way that Apple have been the last few years, um, when people have been unhappy with what they've done and they've been like, you know, mm-hmm. the whole, you're holding the phone wrong, that sort of thing. Um, people seem to be falling out of love with it, even developers. And Microsoft seems to be winning more and more developers away to it. Um, and so Microsoft, the news that Microsoft had bought GitHub, I thought was quite interesting because they seem to be sort of doubling down on trying to be the developer's friend. Um, but it's my Twitter feed has been full of people um, saying that they're going to move away from GitHub now to, I think, GitLab. Or- there is a lot of animosity, isn't there, still? Yeah. Microsoft. Yeah, there is. I mean, they're not exactly like plucky underdogs. Um so, and I think they have got, you know, they, you know, they've got some, um, they've got a few skeletons in their in their closet. But I, I use Windows, and I, I really like it. I, I sort of, I've, you know, I've not used Macs terribly, uh, like, you know, terribly seriously. Mm. I've not felt like I've needed to. I've not felt tempted away. Um, and the hardware is so much cheaper, um, and it's pretty decent these days. But yeah, I just thought that's kind of interesting, just how how Microsoft is starting to chip away a little bit Apple like the whole it just works yeah, yeah, yeah. with Apple I seems w- to not be so true these days I wonder if Apple are kind of realizing that because there's there's talk that the the next two releases of both uh the iPhone OS and the Mac OS are, are really kind of doubling down on efficiency and speed and bugs rather than new features so they're trying to, it's almost like they're trying to get their house in order before they kind of move on again. But uh, they have done that for a few They did it with Snow Leopard. Few was years, that, was a big they? one. Yeah. <clears throat> but I, 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 we've, we've talked about the resurgence of Microsoft before. Um, and it's nice to see them making really good looking hardware. Yeah. Mm. Um, definitely, if you, you know, it's a third of the price, isn't it? Yeah. To, to, yeah. to get set up. It's just, yeah. It can only be good for the industry as a whole, I think. Absolutely, yeah. I think I think now Apple have got some proper competition. Yeah, um, it's going to push them to um, them to be better because I think the reason why Microsoft is better because they've been they've been sort of losing a lot of ground to Apple. Um, it's funny how when Microsoft or Apple make announcements that people react to it like their sports teams. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they always have, haven't they? It's really weird. Yeah, it's really. It's like the blur, blurvy Oasis yeah. kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. So definitely I, I, blur, 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 by the way. Just, yeah, 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 definitely. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just, I just kind of find it funny that it's like we people get so attached to to their operating system. <laughs> it is weird. It is. It's just a, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah. I, in fact, I know quite a lot of illustrators work in Windows, don't they? Because it it works a lot better for um, Cintiq, and they also tend to be a little bit more gamey. Um, the, the young, the youngins I know. Yeah. Um, they do a lot of gaming, so you know they want a rig that can do design and and play games. And the Mac is just is still not that yeah. kind of system that you want um, Absolutely. to run a good three D system on. I mean, it's still you know there isn't a single Mac, is there? Unless you spend eight grand on the new iMac, there's not really one that can run three D like Windows mm-hmm. can. And if you if you kind of if you can build um, a PC yourself you can get a kind of a good gaming rig for probably less, well, you know, 
under a quarter of that price. Right. Yeah. No, it's good. It's good to see. I'm I'm pleased to see their their design coming on. And you know, the this the surface thing with the funny little wheel that you can put on the screen and whiz around is is pretty yeah, they pretty do, interesting. They're doing some really innovative stuff. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I think the sooner Apple get rid of Johnny Ive, the better. <laughs> Whoa, controversial. <laughs> Anyone who puts the <laughs> charging port for a mouse on the bottom of the bloody mouse. That, yeah, that's annoying. Yeah. That yeah, it, it's just it just there's, there seem to be lots of things like that, like um, things sort of with your with the new MacBook Pros having USB C ports only. Mm. And then selling the iPhone with um, a USB, yeah. yeah. So, so you, you can't pl- and you can't plug your, you know, you can't natively plug your phone into your into your um, your Mac. But it just seems like it doesn't seem like people are thinking, yeah, sort of terribly careful. That's so. it. iPhones don't have a headphone jack. My Mac, my MacBook Pros do. It's you know, craziest, crazy, crazy. I tell you. Uh, have you got any news, John? Just one little one. Uh, I read a brilliant interview or a conversation between Brian Eno and Malcolm Garrett. Now, I hadn't heard of Malcolm Garrett, but apparently he's quite a famous illustrator. Uh, well, he, he, designer. He's quite a, a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know. You know me, and I'm not educated. And it's a chat about creativity and whether Brian Eno's installation music is art or whether he's actually a designer because they talk about the fact that design. Uh, responds to a brief or to some kind of uh, a need and there's a great there's a great line in it which i've put into the notes which is we fabricate whole systems of reasons of why we have just acted that way and uh, that's another way of describing post-rationalization yeah. which is doing something because of your gut and then trying to apply mm. a, a a process or a framework to it and it's so common isn't it in uh, the creative industry Massively, and yeah to have to post-rationalise something because you've got to make it feel like it was thought through. Yes. Yeah, whereas often it's just like, you know, the way you draw your little spaceships, Rob, they, 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 what is amazing to me is that, that you just start a scribble. You you just let the, mm. the pen move. And that is phenomenal, isn't it? You cannot post-rationalise that. Uh, although each spaceship comes out and has a certain style, yeah. which is your style. I really hope no one asks me to post-rationalise that. <clears throat> I think a lot of it is, is, <laughs> is, is, is purely for the benefit of the client, though, isn't it, in design? Yeah. Because, yeah, you know, yeah, the yeah, client because... feels an awful lot better about paying money for something when they think, you know, inordinate amounts of, uh, of kind of thought and research and whatever has uh, has gone on. Mm. I think, uh, and I think also it's a good uh, it's a good trumpet blast for the sort of the anti framework brigade um, in terms of not relying on something that you know a button should look like this or a uh, you know a, a block of text should look should fill the screen at X width or um, and again I hope it encourages more free form design once more on, on mm. the web. I don't, I don't know if that will happen because because we've got this fluid canvas that we're designing on. It's very, very hard for an artist to set a canvas at X by X because it's it's elastic again. And that is not conducive to to, to making art. I, is, I don't is that just um, something that kind of automatically happens when technology or a, a kind of a platform gains a certain level of maturity? You know, all books fundamentally are the same now, aren't they? Mm. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, car, cars, you could say, in the 80s or the 90s when they were jelly moulds, you know, yeah. you couldn't tell what, what on earth one mate was from another. Exactly. So, you know, um, the, and, you know the the vast majority of, of websites are going to look similar and then you've kind of got the, 
you know, if there's like a bell curve of of uh, kind of style in web design, you know, the vast majority of it is going to be kind of the stuff that you're seeing all the time. And then there's there's that kind of long tail of different creative individual stuff in the same way that, that you know, most cars are Mondeos, but occasionally there's a Messerschmitt bubble car. Am I making any sense? When did you last see a Messerschmitt bubble car? <laughs> <laughs> Um, there's a, design, a developer is talking about design, web design, and saying it's a solved problem. I think he, I think he walked back from that statement, but I think a lot of people feel that way that that we've kind of, like you said, with with books or with whatever, it kind of reaches like a, it gets to a point where it, it achieves like the optimum format, mm. and I think particularly like for smartphones as well. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's it. Like, mm. and I think a lot of them. Um, a lot of companies have tried to innovate and do different things with them, and and they haven't necessarily worked terribly well. I mean, I don't I don't know if that's because the smartphone is you know we're, it's done or whether kind of just those ideas haven't been haven't been haven't been great. But it's it's, it's it is yeah it is kind of interesting. I like I with with again I'm, although I'm not a designer, I quite like that sort of interface between sort of art and design. Like at what point. Um, it becomes creativity and at what point you're just sort of ticking boxes that kind of, you know, committees of people in rooms of, of kind of thought things should be. So yeah, it's a tricky one. Mm. I think design will win out on that front because I, I think they'll, they'll, they'll win out on that because maybe, you know, like Jeff Goldblum with the water drops mm. in, uh, in Jurassic park, that it will find a way designers will always push and always make things better. Uh, and that will change, you know, the, the, the web and the way that it runs will, will change. It, it has to. The, the other thing is though, that we're looking at it from kind of an insider's point of view. I mean, even though I'm yeah. not a, a, anything to do with the web, you know, from a design point of view or from developers or coders or, you know, uh, you, you, you've got a very skewed vision of it, haven't you? You know, you're you're drawn to the new or the innovative, um, whereas the vast majority of consumers are just going to be seeing the the bog standard that you know that big wedge of the bell curve. Yeah. Well, let's get on to uh, let's let's start the main interview. So, Mark, uh, can you describe what you do day to day and uh, and how you got started? I'm a developer, so I code websites. <laughs> that, that's yeah. bas- that's basically it. Um, I a fair amount of the um, of the projects that I do, I tend to sort of like deal with like small to medium sized businesses. Um, so particularly with the small ones, I tend to sort of handle the design and the development for myself, which kind of is fine. But as I said, the the design part of it is the one that kind of like keeps me up at night in a cold sweat. Um, but basically, um, yeah, I'm a developer. I I've been going for about five years. Um, I had a job that I hated. I, my, the, I think one of the first things I did when I left school was build computers. Um, so I was kind of building building computers back in the days when we were putting 500 gigabyte hard drives in them. Um, um, 500 megabyte hard drives in them. And um, I remember having somebody put a one gigabyte hard drive in a computer and us kind of think, that's a bit of a, that's a bit of show off. Um, <laughs> but I ended up sort of like coming out of that and just kind of, you know, setting up my own business. I just set up a cleaning business. Um, and I did that for years and years and years. And for some reason that getting into, getting back into the industry, getting back into, getting into coding in particular just seemed a bit beyond me because 
I had this idea that you had to be a particular like type of person um, to be a programmer. I think sometimes you can get taught through just through the kind of stereotype that you see on films that like, you know, somebody has to be kind of um, like a basement dwelling nerd yeah. who's socially inept. Says um, the man broadcasting from a, from a blanket den. <laughs> it's a, it's, it's a very it's a nice, it's a nice blanket. It's a very nice blanket. Then <laughs> yeah. he's a handmade blanket. They're not happy blankets. They're from Ikea. Um, but, um, so I just didn't feel like I fit, I sort of fitted in and it was only through meeting other, other developers and, um, and Ben in particular, the, sort of my co-host on the Relative Paths um, podcast, who kind of talked me into it at a party. Cause I remember talking to him and sort of telling him how much I hated my job, but I didn't think I could do it. And he encouraged me to, uh, to give it a try. Um, cause I didn't realize just how many people there are who've just toppled into it. Um, mm. Uh, a lot of the people that we talk to on the podcast, when we ask them how they began, um, it usually tends to be, oh, somebody had to build a website for our thing and it fell to me to do it. And so I did it and found out that I could do it. And here I am like 15 years later doing it as a career. Um, whereas I tended to think that all programmers were, were people that had computer science degrees. This is something um, that's cropped up so often on our podcast. I mean, when we talked to Daniel Benworth Greer, book cover designer, you know, that's exactly what happened to him. You know, he he was working somewhere and uh, the guy that did all their publishing left and never came back. And he, he was the one that put up his hand when, when asked, uh, does anyone know Photoshop? And you just <laughs> thought, you know, there are so many people that fall into. Yeah, my, mine was I was I was painting posts in the uh, in the yard of the um, the sign shop that my girlfriend's family owned at the time. Somebody, you know, somebody said, does anyone know how to use a PC? And uh, I went away with the manual and came back the next day and I was suddenly making computer, you know, like CAD signs. So, yeah, no, it, it's it's so funny, isn't it? The more we people we speak to, the, the, the more there's this. And this kind of goes on to what you were talking about, because the, the sort of the on your podcast, Mark, was the, this recruiter reality mm. uh, that is that sort of sits like a smog above the reality that is, that is you know, creative people are very friendly and warm and, and mm. nice to be. But there's this kind of skill set above it that's a barrier to entry. Which is just total bollocks. Because if you can demonstrate that you are, one, you are keen, two, that you are dedicated, and three, you turn up on time, nine times out of ten, you're going to get a job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, and that you're willing to learn the reality. as well. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Or self, self-learning self is so important. And I think that's why kind of maverick characters do are drawn to it and, and do well in it because they are self-driven and they do their own thing. Mm. So they will go off with a manual or go and look at podcasts. Whereas there's a lot of uh, people in, you know, I know in artworking departments where they're just literally coming in there, put their headphones on. There's no engagement whatsoever with what they're doing. Yeah. Um, that, that, you know, that has its room, but you know, I guess there are McDonald's and there are, gourmet restaurants it's the same kind of thing isn't it yeah i, I think sort of um we we spoke to um chris coyer a while ago who's kind of like a bit quite a big noise in the web um and we we're talking about dogmatism and the idea that a lot of us a lot of people who who kind of were drawn to the web are enthusiasts for it in one way or the other um but now there are a lot of people who who kind of probably coolly looked at all the options and decided that being 
sort of a, a programmer is a good career option and they might not necessarily be an enthusiast. And there's nothing wrong with that necessarily. Um, but I just wonder what sort of effect that has on the industry. Just that you kind of have a lot of people who, who are kind of happy to show up at nine o'clock and, and leave at five o'clock and sort of have done with it. Um, in a way, I think we need a little dose of that because I think sort of we can, if you're an enthusiast, um, you can end up pouring a little bit too much of yourself in there. You know, you get some of these kind of cobros for life who are kind of boasting about sort of being up at sort of three o'clock on a Sunday night, still coding, um, which can sort of make the industry a little unhealthy. But but for me coming into it, it's kind of sort of see, looking over the fence. It just seemed like it was was a bit impenetrable, but but sort of want, getting to know somebody who was, who was in the industry and who was doing it and who seemed kind of relatively normal was kind of my way in. So, so that's kind of how I, how I came into it. And so I think that's partially why um, we do the podcast is to just try to try to make it seem a little less opaque and a bit more welcoming. Like when we started out, actually the, the sort of the format was, um, that I was kind of the the new the new kid in town, and Ben was the old dog, um, and he was kind of just you know I, I was kind of learning as I went, um, and so we don't have so much of them now, but we had a lot of new lists like people who were new to development, and when we first started um, when we first started broadcasting, but it was good that we were able to just you know to try and be encouraging to to kind of make people feel as if if it was something they could do, even if they didn't necessarily feel that they they fitted the mold of of what a what a developer or what a programmer could be yeah and 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 how do you feel now that you're five years in are you happy that you've made the change are you enjoying what you do yeah happy i made the change enjoying what i do i think i still get still get imposter syndrome um and i think there's there's quite often um kind of the frustration that there's always a thing you don't know. I think I'm, I'm a little bit of a, of a completist. I, I kind of get frustrated a bit with the internet that I can't read it all and sort of finish it. <laughs> um, I was listening to, I, th- I can't remember who it was, but there's um, a program a while ago where, um, you know, when the internet was quite new, somebody on a podcast and was saying like somebody told him about the internet and he logged on and he'd finished reading it by the afternoon because <laughs> there was only half a dozen sites on. And, but um, so I feel that, I kind of often get frustrated that there's there's a lot that I still haven't learned, but I'm kind of starting to sort of make my peace with that. But yeah, it's it's a kind of a it's a funny old thing because there's a lot of there's a lot of people in the industry that are very supportive. Um, there's a lot of camaraderie sort of within it if you find the right little pocket. But there's you know there can be a lot of um, it's not I wouldn't say it's necessarily competitive. Um, people didn't. People generally seem to cooperate, but there does seem to be this kind of slightly kind of adversarial kind of underbelly sort of to the industry. But I like the fact that that, that it's kind of being dealt with. Um, I imagine that there are lots of other sort of industries where there are problems in, but they kind of get swept away. But I think yeah. web developers try become- design, mate. Because uh, des- I mean, web the web community versus design is 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 like a you know the friendliest thing in the world. Yeah. Um, design is very uh, closed, I think. Very um, cliquey, very bitchy, very judgmental. Yeah. 
Really, really, it really can be. But um, whereas illustration is the complete polar opposite. Yeah. It's very friendly, very open. Everyone's always sharing tips and techniques, and uh, and and I think web has as well. I think it, it's been through a dip as the sort of the originators of the kind of um, the CSS sort of movement from the uh, early two thousands. Have that as they've become older and rather and and are no longer sort of working at the uh, at the uh, coalface, as it were. Um, I think that there's been a lot of, of dilution of that kind of friendliness. Um, mm. But I, I just hope I hope that it, that it returns. It was nice to see a good article by Jeffrey Zelman last week, sort of telling people to shut up about frameworks and start yes. doing some nice design, <laughs> yeah. basically, yeah, yeah. which is good. So how do you get your work then? What's, what's the majority of your work? Um, a lot of the work that I get um, is because uh, people know me as a perch developer. Um there are lots and lots of web of, of WordPress developers around, so there's a bit more competition. But just through, I mean, most of the work that I get comes through referrals. So, um, the, like, I've got a, an ongoing job that I've been working on at the moment, which is probably um, taking most of my time, um, which is working for a company that deals with kind of fairly sensitive information. So they're doing a lot of um, a lot of work for GDPR. So it's a lot of it's a lot of forms that I'm working on, which is kind of not the not the most exciting thing in the world. And um, they deal with it's in the medical industry, so I'm having to I'm having to oh. type out a lot of medical conditions at the moment, which Blimey. is kind of which is Rob, kind of you fair. do a lot of typing out of medical conditions. Well, yeah, I've, I've done a lot of work for <laughs> I've done a lot of work for pharmaceuticals. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That can be a nightmare. Yeah, so you kind of, you know, there's lots of new diseases that I'm aware of. Um, and I got that job through another agency because they just know that I'm a perch developer. Um, okay. So that's that's kind of how, how most of the work that I get comes comes our way. Um, I'm a little bit, you know what it's like with freelancing, it's a bit feast or famine. Um, so I've been very, very, very busy up, to, up for the last few weeks. Um, and there's kind of a few projects that I've got that are waiting to land. Um, so I'm hoping that they don't all sort of, they don't all occur at the same time. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be, so, yeah, they're going to be insanely busy, but it tends to be, but again, it sort of tends to be through, it tends to be through referrals for other people that you know in the yeah. industry that you tend to get the majority of, of your work. And and what's your, what's the plan for the future? Do you have plan? Or are you just sort of, uh, are you, is there something you particularly want to become really, really good at, or is it just, are you just honing your skills to to carry on the service as it is? Um, my wife, Kate, is an artist, and she, whenever I'm tearing my hair out over design, I usually show show it to her, and she says to me, well, why don't you just do this? I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> uh, and, and then I kind of show her, some type, show her some typography choices, and she sort of very kindly shakes her head at me and just like, why don't you try that? So what's happening is after kind of a couple of years of that, um, we've decided that she's going to join, she's going to join me. So at the moment she's kind of getting herself kind of up to speed with, with sort of what's going on in design. She again is a completist. So again, she's, so she's reading every single thing that she can find on design. So in the next sort of over the next sort of six months to a year, she's going to sort of properly come on board as, um, as, sort of our designer. Um, so that's, that's kind of what we're looking at in the future. Um, and the site that I most enjoyed doing was her site, her, her site as an artist. Um, and in Cheltenham, there's quite a lot of, there's quite a thriving sort of artistic community. 
um, and a common theme with artists is ter- terrible websites, um, which has always surprised me because I always thought that the artists would, you know, if you have an eye for, eye for that kind of imagery or that kind of creativity, that you would, um, that you'd have like a fairly nice looking presence on the web. Um, so that's the thing that I, that both me and her would like to do would be to, to do a lot of work with, to work with local artists. Cause I think, um, you know, it's, it's nice putting a site together with has lots of nice images on it. Um, yeah. I'm sure you found like, you know, you can, you can end up designing something which, um, which looks nice when you're, you know, when it's all you and you've put sort of some nice placeholder images in it. But then when, when a client starts putting their own stuff on it, it kind of, you kind of yeah, wink, yeah. you wince a little bit. Um, and it's fair enough. Oh, you mean those the, 3D rendered people, uh, that like the stick people 3D and holding hands and, uh, people yeah. shaking hands and all that kind of nonsense. A, a lot of people but, that seem a little too happy to be in meetings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> um, well, that's, that's really exciting. So husband and wife duo. Yes. Yeah, and she's um she's got an exhibition coming up um next year. Well she she um she had one a little while ago. Um but we've just been very busy. But um there's um uh an open doors open studios. Um and it's where sort of all the artists in the town basically open their homes up. Um, yeah. people can come in and sort of look at their art and stuff. And so we, you know, we know a few people in the in the art community that we're gonna sort of team up with. So we're we're sort of getting prepped for that sort of middle of next year so do you want to give her a quick yeah, plug fun. yeah so her, her website is katephoenix.uk fantastic and she's actual phoenix on instagram although she hasn't posted for an age <laughs> um so yeah cool <laughs> excellent right well thank you for that and um, no yeah all the best in the future thank you i've just got to say mark it, despite uh, only uh, understanding about eight percent of what you said. It has been fascinating and really interesting uh, oh, chatting to you and, and listening to you talk about your business. So, thank you so oh, much for coming on. Oh, you're yeah, and, and thanks for uh, yeah taking the time to come on because I know it's, we, we're a, we're a bit different and a bit uh, we're 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 not in the web community. So um, it's been really really useful having you on. So thank you okay. very much. It's and it's nice it's nice as well to from from my standpoint as well to kind of to speak to. People who are properly sort of embedded in the in the design community, and particularly print design, I just find it fascinating that it's still kind of it's still thriving, sort of in the age of the web. It's kind of fun. You don't believe all those rumours about print being dead, do you, Mark? <laughs> well, it's, it's funny. It's 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 that awful thing that like if you have a, a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So yeah. I think if you're if you if you're completely in the web, you kind of think everything is the web, and yeah. and kind of you know sometimes if I meet. Um, people who've got businesses or haven't got websites, I kind of swoon a bit because you think like, how on earth, how on earth does, do you, do you function? Um, but it's just quite nice to, yeah, it's just, it's just nice to see that it, it's still, a, it's, it's still kind of, it's still happening. Brilliant. Right. Pies, what have you got, Mark? Come on. I, I think there, <laughs> there could be some, there could be some rule breaking going on here. What, what is going on? Um, Kate, um, uh, this is a sort of a joint effort. It's mostly Kate. So this is a homemade pie. Um, so Kate sort of, Kate snuck in and poked her head yeah. under the, uh, under the, uh, <laughs> under the battlements of the, of my, um, of my blanket fort and handed me this with a post-it note. <laughs> Hang on. There's a post-it note saying, go careful. It's still a bit hot. <laughs> She's drawn some flames on the uh, post-it note, but this is a sweet coconut fish pie with sweet potato mash. Um, it's, it's not 
terribly crispy. I don't know if you would, if on a visual inspection you would identify it as a pie, but I'm going to have a have a sample. It's um, it's got haddock, um, some spinach and sweet potato and some other bits and bobs. Some coconut. sounds fantastic. Um, very tasty, quite salty, very coconutty, very fishy because there's fish in it. So I guess it will be fishy. So um, but yeah, not. Not much of a crest on it because it's um, sweet potato, but um, no, it's good. I'm going to give it a... How does the scoring quite, system work? Well, it's out of 10, but it's quite tricky given that your wife made this, isn't it? Uh, it's definitely... I think it's an 8.5 or 9. 8.5 or 9. Well it's done. A good score. No, I mean, very obviously good. disqualified because it's not a pie, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Stewards inquiry. Uh, <laughs> there's no inquiry. There's mashed potato on top. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> come on. Rob, what have you got? Well, I've got, I've got a mystery. Uh, my wife yeah. bought me uh, three or four pies from Armstrong's Butchers in St. Margaret's a couple of weeks ago, uh, and I've eaten a couple of them. And we had... I'd written on them what each one was. But in the freezer... So for some reason, the biro seems to have disappeared off this pie. So I'm not entirely sure what this is. I think it's vegetarian. I think it's cauliflower and something. It's like cauliflower and chickpea, maybe. So I'll, I'll just dive in. It's a proper pie, by the way, Mark. It's got pastry and everything. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's like a little curried, a curried cauliflower. Sounds, sounds good. Going got nice. coconut going on, curry going Very on. Very tasty. Peas. Mmm. Um, hmm. Is that a good one? That's going to get um, 8.4. Oh, mine, again, I've got another unknown pie, Rob. <laughs> uh, mine's a latticed pork pie. Quite a big one. Right. Uh, it was given to my wife by Uncle Gary from the NEC. <laughs> whoever whoever Uncle, Uncle Gary is. is. Well, he's one of the storage lads, uh, and they store all of my wife's stuff when she does shows up there. So they would, she was up there for the BBC Good Food show last week. So this ha- this pie has passed within a hundred feet of Monty Don. That's that's, that's the, something. Uh, that's that's got to be worth I'm at least an extra. Well, is, one. It, is it glowing? <laughs> um, so, well, it, it is quite. Um, I don't know if it's been in a fridge or in deep storage or whatever. It's a lattice pie, pork pie, very light and very uh, dense meat inside it. It's got quite a good bit of aspic. The pastry on the bottom is maybe 10 mil thick, and the pastry on the top is maybe 5 mil. It's kind of weird. Um, so I'm going in. Mm. Yeah, it's like something you'd eat on the road. Not not roadkill, <laughs> but it's not far off it. <laughs> you know, like in a garage, one of those pork pies that's in a sweaty yes. cellophane wrapper. <laughs> that could that's be travel. Like. That, you know, that could be down to the travel, couldn't it? Pork pies don't or, travel or, well. Or wherever it's been. Uncle Gary, I don't know. Yeah. could have been Was down it in his trousers pocket? for all we know, yeah. like a ferret. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to give that... Uh, that's going to get another four, I'm afraid. Oh, dear. You need to start buying your own pies, John. That's the. No, I've got a freezer full of them still. There's millions of bad pies. My wife loves going out and buying bad pies, so all I do is eat bad pies. So is for is that a particularly low thing? What's the lowest mark a pie's ever got? Oh, one, one, one. I can't remember what the lowest was. We'd have we had to, a two. We need to have a, a page, two quite recently. We? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I I do mark down quite a lot. Whereas Rob's much more positive, even though he's from Yorkshire. <laughs> well, you know, there's, a, there's a, for me, there's a level. You know, a, a bad pie is still a, a pie, a, a pie, which is a good thing. I guess some... I should give, I should give it an extra one for having passed within a hundred feet of yes, Monty Don. Absolutely. So I'm going to give it a five. <laughs> okay, good. 
<laughs> that's setting a dangerous precedent there. So somebody's gonna somebody's gonna serve you. Yeah, Monty Don's gonna come himself and like serve you some real slop. Okay, have to give so it what we've got to do is we've got to just take pies and uh, and wave them under the noses of celebrities yeah. to raise their points. That's a challenge. <laughs> Right. I'd just like to say thank you again, Mark, and for spending uh, time with us. Um, it's been fantastic, and hopefully we'll stay in touch. Yeah, definitely. Um, and when you're ready to launch your uh, your art thing, come come on the show again and uh, and promote it next year for the we exhibition. S- we certainly will. It's a yeah. date, sort of. Okay, brilliant. And Rob, what are you up to this weekend? Uh, got weddings? No weddings. Mm-hmm. We've got two yeah. or three weddings, uh, two or three weeks off weddings, so my wrist uh, and arm should be able to recuperate. So nothing planned. Well, I'm on holiday now for three weeks. Jeez. I know. It's good. It's really bad. I mean, but it's great. We're going to uh, first first stop Amboise in uh, in France and the Loire, the uh, the burial place of Mr. Leonardo da Vinci. So oh, uh, apparently they've got a museum there with lots of miniature models of his little oh, fantastic. Machines. So I shall report back from there. Yes, do that. Uh, and have a fantastic time, Mark. Thank you very much. Uh, so, uh, thank you, Mark. You're very welcome. It's been it's been fun to be on the show. Good. And good night. Good night, all. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.